You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Uh, if you're listening from wherever, we're in St. Paul, Minnesota, in the surrounding communities. And it just got really, really cold all of a sudden. And we had probably what you'd call in the Midwest a dusting of snow. And our illustrious Caleb, it takes him normally, what, 25 minutes to get here? Yeah, 25 to 30. And it took him two hours. Two hours that's to get commitment. here. So that's commitment yeah. to the it's Sacred impressive. Collective, y'all. Yeah. Podcasting is the real deal when you have the illustrious Caleb. <laughs> the illustrious. I like that word. That's uh, good. The extraordinary <clears throat> Caleb with all the tech equipment doing this. So kudos to you, Caleb. Thanks, a small round of applause for you. Yeah, thank you. But we have beer and pizza, so we're good. Yeah. I texted you while I was walking out the door. Which was like at like what six six oh seven or something. Yeah, six oh seven, six ten. And it is now eight thirty. Which is shocking. And you've been here for like fifteen minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I got some pizza, I got a beer, and now we're recording. Yes, so if you're listening to somewhere warm, send good vibes and talk to the gods of the weather and (laughs) tell them to make it warm. Um, but we're gonna get at it, it's a small group tonight, four of us. Um, everyone else is kind of busy. So, Caleb's leading. I asked him to lead in a discussion. So, Caleb, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the Old Testament God, and that's a broad topic, but I think we can kind of narrow in on, was was their understanding of that God literal and, um, I don't know, a God-breathed, was it, was it like an inspired interpretation of that entity was it their best pass at understanding a greater power, you know, or was it a metaphor? What what was that? Because in today's day and age, and Brian, obviously you have a lot more experience uh, preaching sermons than I do, but I, I've preached a handful. But for me, it's, it's hard to even consider talking about the Old Testament because that God seems very vengeful, seems to hold a lot of grudges. Seems judgmental, seems to hate not only like today it's most relevant, you know, like uh, LGBTQ people, or but like even back then to hate people who are not Israelites, and that's something that I'd like to talk about, I think. But you know, I, I for me, and this is probably no shock for any listener of the podcast, for me, it's easiest to approach that God as saying either that was their best understanding of a higher power back then or they were lying maybe or like they were just fully taking their best their best swing at understanding something that they couldn't wrap their heads around mm-hmm. which isn't to say that like that that we are so much better off and so enlightened and we figured it out and we cracked the code but that uh it just does not sit right with me to think that that was the same God. And just quick, I, I know you set me up for like a quick preface. I don't want to take too long saying this. And I'll let you guys take it over here in a sec. But like the, the idea, and, and I know you, that you, Brian, and you, Amanda, were raised AG. And you, Kayleen, were, were raised Lutheran. Mm-hmm. But I was raised Southern Baptist with the idea of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. And so that, that God shifted. That God changed the rules Halfway, when, when Christ came, the rules changed. So those old, the old rules were fully valid 
and fully acceptable, but then he changed them in in his wisdom for some reason. And and, and so for me, I, I, that does not sit right with me. But let's do a quick roll call. I'm Caleb. Brian. Kayleen. Amanda. Well, one thing I kind of wonder, you know, when you mentioned like this, you know, vengeful, you know, full of wrath God of the Old Testament... And I don't know enough about the history of that time period to say for sure. So this is just, you know, an honest question. So if anyone else here kind of has any more insight, is other gods or deities that people followed of that time, did their gods take on more of those personalities and characteristics? And it was easy to kind of... Because obviously a god or a deity... You, you can't know everything about them, and there's a lot of things that are unknown where you kind of have to, like, fill in the blanks with a lot of stuff, where, just like if that was, like, the normal, like, hmm. um, you know, like, if we had a certain, like, leader, like, a, a type of leader, whether it was, like, political or whatever, just, like, a certain type of leader that has, like, certain, like, characteristics, if we were, um... If we were talking about to someone about you know a leader like in our community, they'd probably have some of the same characteristics, or you'd probably explain it the same way as you would. So I don't know if that's a good comparison or not, but I just kind of wonder if maybe like other gods or deities like of that time kind of had like that that vengeance and wrath you know kind of persona to mm-hmm. it, where it's it was easy to kind of like you know latch on to that as. Is like a base to like glue everything else mm. on to. In a, in a very rare exercise of defending this this Old Testament Yahweh, which is not something I do often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you, I mean, you guys know this about me, and if anyone who listens has listened to like more than two episodes, they probably know this about my character. But but <clears throat> in a rare um, de- defense of that God, and this is something we talked about. At Revolution, at the last sermon that you led, Brian, at Revolution Church, was that, like, is it a misunderstanding? Like, as a little kid, when your parents slap your hand for touching the stove or or say, don't walk in the street, never walk in the street again, they get mad at you. Is that a parallel to the idea of God being... Like, when, when I was a kid, I was like, my parents are... I didn't use this language, but I was like, my parents are assholes. Like, they're telling me not to do the, all these things. Right. You know, it's like, is that because God's looking out for you? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're a kid and you can't understand past that? Right. And I think a lot might... I was just thinking might be, like, just normal. Like, with, like... Whether it has to do with free will or just normal, like, human, you know, characteristics that... You know, a lot of people, you know, are just kind of going to want to be looking out for number one and not like thinking, oh, what can I do to help this person where it's not going to benefit me at all? And so it's not bad to do things, you know, for yourself, but I feel like that's kind of like a natural human thing, kind of like, you know, like I got to do what's best for me Mm. type thing and, you know, like screw everyone else. Like I got to take care of myself first. Like I wonder if some of that was. Or maybe, like, human characteristics that were, like, just to have God seem more relatable. Let's give God human characteristics so we can understand. So, who knows if it's one of those or if it is something where, you know, God was that way. And then, you know, with with Christ, if something, that somehow it's something shifted. Mm. 
and you know who knows if it's something where you know with Christ being God it could have been something when he came down and be like living not only with and among the people with humans but as a human himself of you know kind of seeing you know obviously like firsthand of like this is what humanity is really like you know experiencing it so maybe I need to do something different kind of like when a parent like sees their like really like looks from their kids point of view and be like okay maybe I need to you know kind of change how like I parent a little bit because I see how they're responding to it so maybe it maybe it took maybe it shows that God learns like mm-hmm. that God can still learn that oh, wow. he had to he had to become a human even though he created and knew everything <laughs> about humans but he had to become an embody like literally embody a human himself to really you know get in the shoes so to speak I'm going to throw a wrench into this in a good way this is a theological word that as soon as we started talking this, all my theological brain went in. And Kaylin, you were in seminary with me, so this might um, you might understand this too. Um, I'm gonna try to tie it in together what we said. But the word is anthropomorphism, mm-hmm. um, and really the definition is the attribution of human traits, emotions or intentions to non-human entities, Hmm. it is considered to be an innate tendency of human psychology. And and also, within anthropomorphism, there's personification, which is the related attribution of human form and characteristics to abstract concepts such as nations, emotions, and natural forces such as seasons and weather, or could we say a deity? Hmm. Um, I feel... So there's that. So I feel... We've used that as humanity, not just not one said country, but in religions we take a deity that's truly any deity, but we're talking about God, is a spirit. And I mean, even right now when we talk about Jesus, the only time if we believe Jesus was truly God in part of the Trinity, the only time that this spirit was in human form was for 33 years out of... The however long you think God has existed, so thirty three years is not that long, and so I think he, what we would call anthropomorphize, was that God came down in human flesh to humans to be like you guys are understanding this spiritual part that we need, so I'm going to I came down from my father in human form to teach you and understand you. Or Something you that popped understand. in my head is almost like like the movie Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. It's like God had to get, you know, like the mother and the daughter, like switch places and they see it from each other's point of view and, you know, oh. there's all these hijinks and fun things that happen, but maybe something like literally like Freaky Friday where God had to, you know, step into the body like of his creation of humans to be like... That's a good. Oh, I, I, I can, I can see why you would think this when I do this or I say wow. this and be like, oh, lesson learned. Okay, like. I love that suggestion that God had to learn. Something. God had, God had to have a Freaky Friday. Yeah, and just like kind of stepping back or kind of meta for a second, like I don't know if at the start of Sacred Collective, like if you had said that, Amanda, mm-hmm. at the start. Of the Sacred Collective, I would have been 
shocked. <laughs> and but like to hear you suggesting, like you're not even asserting this. You're just saying yeah. maybe God had to learn something and step into somebody else's shoes. Because if God, like you said, if God was really like that in the Old Testament, and then you see how God is, you know, through through Christ in the New Testament, then a lot of times if you look at a person and. They were like this one way. Usually it's some kind of major event or revelation or something that happens to them that makes them switch paths or switch wow. like their mindset. Like yeah. it's usually not like this, like like for parents, like for Brian and I. It's not like we're gonna parent our daughter a certain way and then one day we're just gonna wake up and have this mindset we're gonna, you know, do like a one eighty and parent her like a completely different way, like than we did before, like for no reason. Mm. So well, that's it, that's just something to to think about. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna say something else, but I, I, I think you should join me in the Christian agnosticism. <laughs> He's converting people. I'm converting people to my view. Um, do you have a flyer, sir? Yeah, I do. A pamphlet. <laughs> You're married to me, so I'm like a walking flyer. You are. No, but what I was gonna say is, I got in trouble. In college, because I had, of course, I get in trouble for college on this theological rebel. But kind of what you were saying, Caleb, like that God that we see in the Old Testament, this vengeful, like this vengeful, this God all for revenge, like blood and and death and destruction to to infants to yeah, yeah, well, to that, the livestock. The the story that. I forget. I want to say it's in Judges or something. Or maybe... What? Nothing. Go keep And that where God God told the Israelites to go into this village and to annihilate everything. And the reason why God wanted them to destroy everything was because that, that those people... Even down to the livestock, to the whole city. It wasn't like a Sodom and Gomorrah, but it was like, we need to wipe these people out so they don't reproduce, we don't do any of that. So, and everyone in, in our college had to take like at least one or two Old Testament classes. And I remember this was, I think I had just graduated and I was still working at this college as just like a glorified student worker. And I remember saying to one of my students, I was like, I have a hard time with the concept of God in the Old Testament to Jesus Christ that we see in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And he was like, why? I said, because it's two different gods. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I said, I I agree. I said, however, the God we see in Yahweh and that the Israelites worshipped to the God that we see in, revealed to us in Jesus are two totally different ways. Mm-hmm. And I and I said and for me after all these years of being in church studying scripture being in seminary I've come to and I'm not saying I'm right but what brings me hope and somewhat of an understanding with it is I feel that a I think the Israelites and the Jewish people in the Old Testament understood God and wrote about God and had this oral tradition, which what they were, of of a god that was described to them by their ancestors. And in most gods, if you look back on that time, were all gods that demanded vengeance, that demanded blood sacrifice, that demanded all that. You look at a lot of these ancient religions, and our god lines up 
to a lot of these gods and what they what they you know sacrifice was a huge thing like there's religions to this day you sacrifice ghosts you sacrifice whatever to appease so that God won't get vengeful so how these Israelites were dealing with understanding Yahweh was in line of what they were doing and I think and I think Jay said this at Revolution one time it's always stuck with me they tried to do their best with the idea and the knowledge that they have to understand God I th- and we think most of us now uh, more I would say more progressive people will say you were wrong in your understanding of God and that's probably one of the reasons God had to come down in flesh to take on human form because we weren't getting it we didn't understand it we didn't we, we didn't get the big picture and to even hit on what you were saying Amanda like maybe God even needs to learn mm-hmm. or whatever there's tons of scripture that will show you that God changes his mind. I mean, Greg Boyd wrote that huge, huge book out of the possible where he goes through there saying God does all throughout Scripture change his mind. Well, Jesus you look changed, at Abraham going Jesus to sacrifice his Isaac mind. where mm-hmm. God changed his mind. Mm-hmm. Whether he changed his mind or it was done as a test, a test. or... <laughs> a or which I'm like, that's a pretty test. messed up test. Or it was something that, like didn't happen but just show like extremes or or Abraham was dreaming or on something and woke up be like whoa guys was that real you're never going to believe what happened Mm -hmm. so I think I think that's what helps me understand the Old Testament better and I don't get so bitter and pissed off was these people were very misguided I look at some friends and family that I know who only see God or Jesus or the scripture in one way. And it's so, you know, they're so constricted to this view. And they're like, well, this is how it has to be because this is how it was taught to me, all this stuff. But when you look and you dig deeper, you have Bible scholars who've spent, you know, the better part of three or four decades literally studying certain portions of the Old Testament or scripture. And they tell you, no, like, this is, you have to look at it in its context. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the religious people of the day, you look at the, uh, um, back in the Old Testament, you only had the, uh, wasn't it the only certain people could go into the Holy of Holies? Mm-hmm. It was only certain priests. So it was a very sh- minimal hand view of men, not women, but men that could go in the Holies of Holies or would say, or who could read any sort of Holy Scripture. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, they were the mouthpiece of saying this is what God is and what God isn't. Well, yeah, that should be suspect. We look at that now as a more evolved of, of human consciousness. We look back at that and we're like, well, that's bonkers. That's stupid. But we have to look at what how they did and how those people lived 2,000 years ago. How they understood God, I, I would look, was fundamentally flawed and wrong. But that's how, that's how religious people regardless of religion, dealt with that back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel bad for them because you're like, no, 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 you really miss... I don't think God mm-hmm. ever told some uh, a people group to go and take out another people group well, I feel at like, all. I feel like we can look at it now and not saying that... Because we can't say necessarily that we know more about God than they did because from what we think we know about God... Is just not even scratching the surface, or we could be completely off. But just what we know, like biblically, but just with history in general, and just you know, kind of seeing 
you know, within Christianity or other religions, you know, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, well, they were doing this and doing that, like, all these sacrifices, all this stuff, and it's like, they were just, they just really missed, you know, the mark, but if that's all that they knew, then, you know, kind of having to step back and removing how many thousand, couple thousand years of history that they didn't have to, like, look back to, like, you know, kind of kind of gather information on, like, oh, well, civilization was like this or like that before before us, you know, if that makes sense. Like, they were a little bit more limited, like, of what they know. Just like our, our daughter, who's, you know, one and a half, she can interpret something in what she knows and will interpret it as her parents, you know, a completely different way. Because we have more insight, we've learned, like, we've lived through it, or we we know, you know, just kind of, like, either history or, you know, kind of, like, looking back, like, farther. But her insight and knowledge is a much smaller time frame. Well, let me ask you this, if I can, before you go on. Yeah, go ahead. Say, just not to call you on the spot, but it's a friendly little theological Ooh. banter. Go um, ahead. Do you honestly, though, think, and we weren't taught this in the church, to, at least in our tradition, to kind of critically engage more with the text? It was like, oh, whatever the pastor or Sunday school mm-hmm. teacher said to do it. But do you honestly think these stories in the Old Testament, not all of them, but especially the stories, I think what Caleb's going after, too, like these, the bloodshed where God tells the Israelites to go into these villages or communities and to just annihilate them do you think that though that he legitimately told the Israelites go and do this and if so uh, how do you translate that into Jesus when he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount which was supposed to be the same God Trinitarian mm-hmm. wise that said if someone hits you turn the other cheek give to the poor, which smacks in the face of the exact same way we understood God in the Old Testament. I don't think God really told them that because you see within history, like, I mean, you can see it throughout history all over the world, but just looking with our own country, you see how different things, you know, with like slavery, you know, racism, even things in our society right now, whether it's race, gender, you know, religion, you know, ethnicity, political, whatever, how people are using God in the name of God, you know, that this happened or that happened. And so I don't think that God really told them that. I think it might have been something of, you know, them, you know, hearing from God or feeling like they heard from God of like, of like I'm going to you know protect you I want you as a people to prosper and they're thinking in their human mind um, fight or flight you know kill or be killed and pretty much and that's the only way they knew to understand if like oh well if God's going to do this for us and, and if he's protecting us that means that this is our only option you know to go after that because yeah right now in our society especially if you go on you know Facebook or Twitter or anywhere online, how many times you see people on different different sides of um, religion or politics, like conservative, liberal, you know, for example, that you see not 
because I know everyone in this group is probably a little bit more liberal leaning, you know, than conservative, but you see it on both sides where they're using God, they're using religion and scripture as a weapon, pretty much, you know, against, you know, against people like on the other side or, you know, just to kind of, kind of make it say like what they want to to support you know what they're doing or to support their actions so I feel like a lot of times it's just justifying because I mean you see it if you look in the Bible from what the story is from the beginning of time you know with Adam and Eve and the piece of fruit which people say an apple but I don't think it was an apple but a piece of fruit so I mean that's a whole other thing of Things that you things that you hear in the Bible that might be a good topic. Things you grew up learning in the Bible that's not necessarily in the Bible, mm. like an apple. Or yeah. there weren't three kings, and they weren't kings that came to visit Jesus. Mm-hmm. But so that's a future topic, maybe. There were magicians. <gasps> that's what magic astrologers, all that stuff. So like maybe <clears throat> psychics. Those that communed mm-hmm. with. But you see the in devil. the beginning too, where Eve took a bite of the fruit, every three kings in my head. gave it to <laughs> gave it to Adam, and he took a bite. And when God came to them, you know what did Adam do? Initially, it's like look out for number one and say, "Yes, I did this." Instead of owning up to it, but she made me do it. She did it first. I mean, with siblings, how many times do you see, you know, two siblings fighting with each other, and you know, the mom or dad comes over. Well, she started it. Mm. It's like you see that from like an early age. You see that from she the gave beginning. me the fruit, right? Yeah. So she did it first. Yeah. So to answer your it. question, like you know, with those things of like you know, just slaughtering you know different people groups, and you know, it's probably thinking if we don't slaughter them, they're gonna slaughter us, and we're God's. We're God's people, or God said, you know, He's going to protect us. He's going to help us be, be victorious. That's what we believe. We have heard from God, so that's our only option because that's just how it was. So I don't think necessarily it was a it was a very vengeful God of the Old Testament. I think it was just vengeful people and how God was portrayed. Mm, wow. This is getting deep. I like it. I love this, yeah. I'll try, as the moderator, as the <laughs> MC, I'll, tr- I'll, I'll, I'll try to tie in a couple things. And I'm glad, Amanda, that you said exactly what you said because I have these notes on my phone here and something tied in directly. And I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to, like, go backwards or anything like that, but I think it ties in what you said about Ava and like, how is Ava going to understand God as opposed to how we understand God, mm-hmm. as opposed to how our parents and grandparents understood God, which can go back all the way to, to the frickin' Old Testament. So, let's not even say Old Testament, New Testament. Let's say First Testament, Second Testament. What's the, what's the Third Testament? Like, nowadays, having our conscience, having our understanding of people... Like, the New Testament is pretty freaking progressive comparatively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, continuing on that line, on that projected, like, kind of estimation of a, of, a, of, a, of a path or a line, then, like, I agree with Paul 
on a lot of things, in theory. And I'll say this again, I always say this, but like, I really don't care about the the extent to which the Bible is literal or even the extent to which God is literal, which I know that we don't all agree on that. I'm, I'm probably further off in left field than you guys on that one. I don't, I don't really care if there's a God or not. But if going from that, yeah, Paul hated on on LGBTQ people. That's a fact. Like Paul, for some reason, and maybe we mistranslated it, maybe it was a cultural thing in a certain church, like in Thessalonica or something, you know, maybe there's something going on we don't even know about. But like I I don't think any of us hate a person for being gay. I don't think any of us do. But assuming that assuming and I may be wrong, assuming that Paul did, and now we've stepped for and this is a very pigeonholed topic and we could find a thousand other topics that are parallel but assuming that he did and now we are where we are then like you said Amanda like Ava's generation or the, or the generation after her what's what's the projected line of, of reason on, on who God is or what God is from that if God used to be this angry asshole in human perception I'm yeah. not saying that this is the nature of God in human perception, God was an angry asshole who told you to kill people because they weren't Jewish. Right. By birth. Not even by conversion. Yeah. But by birth. And then now we're like, okay, you, there's no difference in you know Jews, Gentiles, um, male slave, female. yeah, slave free, male, female. Then what's the next step forward from that? Like, what's right. is it full inclusion? Is it like? Is there a question in there that you can, guys can answer? I know that's kind yeah. of a rant. Well, I think something I was thinking of, like you said, with different generations, like we look back at like like our grandparents' generation or like great grandparents, and you see different things that have happened. You see major things like whether it's in our country or somewhere in the world, you see slavery in the United States, you see the Holocaust in Europe, you see you know segregation. Um, you know, in our own country, like in the 50s, and you see all those things and think, why Why did people just stand there and let that happen? But then, like my daughter's generation, when she grows up, or maybe my, my grandchildren's generation, they might look back and see all of these school shootings, you know, movie mm. theater, concert, bar shootings. There's the one, I think it was just yesterday. Oh, the bar shooting that just happened. Yeah, that just happened. Mm-hmm. And that my, my shooting that and my recent, and my child or grandchild's generation might look back and say, "Why did they let those things happen? Why didn't more people do something?" Just like we look back, you know, at you know our um, like our grandparents or parents' generation, you know, like with segregation, like you know, why did people let that hap- happen? And I mean, that's that's a whole nother you know, issue and, like, conversation of, like, you know, those things that happen. Because there are major things, I believe, that, you know, happen in every generation, you know, that you, that enough people maybe don't stand up for. And then you read in the history books, you know, of these things, so. Well, I, and I think it's hard to describe what future generations are going to be because we're not there, we're we can't look into the future. You know, if someone would ask, 
my mom. We can only look at the past and our present. Yeah, if someone if someone looked at my, if my mom, who was a boomer, could say, when you have kids and they're grown up, they're going to be millennials, which was what our term is. Technically, I'm an in betweener because I'm not a Gen X, and I'm kind of. They always say that like between generations, there's like a couple year gap in there where for sure you just mm-hmm. get thrown in there, mm-hmm. and I, I think from like eighty to like eighty three is those those three years is like we're not Gen X, they don't want us, and we're too old for millennials. You're in the gray area. We're, yeah, we're, we're in a forgotten one. You're but, in no man's land. Yeah, but, but thank you. You make me feel better. No, but <laughs> it what's so funny is like Gen Xers predominantly were angry and very against that's when you saw a high rise of atheism the the non-religious because their parents were teenagers and young kids in like the 60s you know at the end of korean war to begin you know nam and so when they had kids like my brother's age who was 40 like it, it's not weird for them to be anti anti religious or to be non religious. Mm-hmm. However, millennials and I, this is fascinating. Millennials are the first generation who are absolutely in love with God, religion, not just Christianity, but religion, but not organized religion. Mm. So let that sink in. They love. Going like if you were a Christian, if they were raised Christian, they don't have any problem being in community. They find more importance in in the, the soul, the spirit, and spirituality. But they're saying, but they're we've seen like, and I would classify myself as millennial. All of us, pretty much in this room, probably would fit into that. But worse, like what I would say, and what I've even said to my denomination is, church is happening outside, quote unquote, the four walls of the church. You don't have to go to a said church, said religious temple, or wherever, for you to find God. How so many, in so many centuries before, that's how religion has been done. You go to temple, you go to church, you do that. Now, in our this generation, we're probably one of the first in a long time that says, "No, we don't have to go to said church in our denomination." To have a relationship with the divine, we have it by reading a book, by going out in nature, by encapsulating all these other things, by, by loving each other, right? by loving each other. Because we're saying we're going, uh, and I say this all the time to people: Jesus could care a freaking less. Try not to cuss as much. Freaking less. <laughs> Couldn't care. Yeah. Thank you. Couldn't care less. That's probably where you were. I, I wasn't for sure if I wanted to correct. Why you are we fucking, fucking cussing fucking less? There you go. Sorry. Um, you can take the f words from me. Um, I, I kind of went off the rail. With God couldn't care less if it was the four walls. Yeah, God couldn't the care. Walls, yeah. God couldn't care Place less of worship. if we're in the church worshiping Him there with other people almost as this ritualistic thing God cares like where's your heart and I think we're the first generation that's like you know what what most of all of these people are doing the religious people are doing is they're saying go out and help the poor mm-hmm. go out and feed the hungry go out and do these things but most of the churches aren't doing that we just go there get our spiritual fill and then we leave 
But millennials are like, I don't need to go to church for you to tell me that. I can read that in the scripture, and therefore I can go out and do that. Mm-hmm. And so why pigeonhole them and say that they're the nuns or they're religious? Because I would say millennials are probably the most spiritual they have a deeper generation that we've had probably in the last hundred years. Hmm. I kid you not. Hmm. If you just read it and research it, it's fascinating what people are doing. It's just that if you're in like a box, kind of like you think of like your, it doesn't have to be small, but like your box, your area, like where you grew, how you grew up, your understanding, stepping outside of that box could be scary. Like, say if there's someone who grew up in this giant house, like a mansion, and they never stepped foot out of that house, like, or off of the property, like of their home, like their entire life. And then one day when they're an adult, you ask them to, you know, go to the go to the park or go to the house across the street from you. If they've never done that before, it's not that they don't get it or or that, you know, it's wrong. It's just that they don't understand it. They've never experienced it, so they can't comprehend it. So right away they're gonna be like, Well, no, I don't wanna go there. That's dangerous and that's this and that's that and thinking of reasons to go against it because they don't know any more about it. And it's it's tough to step outside of your comfort zone, no matter if it's a small issue, big issue, no matter if you're, you know, 15 years old or you're 89 years old. Yeah. Caitlin, do you have anything to say? I don't know, because, like, this whole aspect, it's, it, it's like, this, the part of me that doesn't like the fact that there are all these people groups that were annihilated is in conflict with how I was told that well these people were really evil so they deserve to, to die you know like people tell you that as like a like an excuse for why God allowed that to happen and it's like well how, who are the Israelites to judge <laughs> that these people were evil but at this point, I don't know it's like the part of me that says, okay, what do I do with that? Versus, like, well, how... Then we go into, like, the just divine inspired word of God and, you know, like, that whole... That whole, I don't know. Can I ask you directly? Yes. Do you think that God... Well, that's kind of a setup. I was going to say, do you think that God changed or that our understanding of God changed? But, like, do you think... Because you believe in God, right, Kayleen? Of course. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, do you think... Do you think that... How do you explain, how do you reconcile the interpretation, the holy scriptural, mm-hmm. with a halo over its head mm-hmm. and a, a glowing light behind it? Uh-huh. The interpretation of God from, you know, from 3,000 years ago even, from 4,000 years ago mm-hmm. to today... Or to or to to two thousand years ago to fifteen you know, hundred years ago. It's a tough thing because even you know <laughs> you go to oh gosh I'm going back to summary again if you go like the perlocution and the elocution and like the whole idea of like what was the original audience what was their inter- interpretation of it mm-hmm. and did they hear a different di- different thing than what the original meeting was intended because you know what somebody could could talk to me and say something to me and I could be like yeah I totally get it but what they said to me is not actually what I interpreted it to be Mm -hmm. you know and so then like it's like when you play phone 
yes. telephone mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you start out, and then by the time you get... And then you add the pictures to it, that's even better. I use that way. analogy all the time. Yeah. People are like, no, that's not how it is. I'm like, that's exactly how it that's is. That's exactly how it is. I feel like sometimes, you know, when you're a kid and your parent tells you something, like they tell you to do something, and they can tell you a bunch of times, mm-hmm. or try to teach you... Um, oh, like an example, Brian. Brian and I are both left-handed. Brian's parents are right-handed, so he was having a hard time... Learning how to tie his shoes because when his six parents would show him, well, six years old they, when I learned they how to tie be, my shoe. They would be tying it as someone who's right-handed. Yeah, and then it finally clicked. I think it was in your dad's mind that well, it was my neighbor or your neighbor. My neighbor was a lefty. Was a lefty, and and, and it clicked. It clicked in their mind that oh, maybe you need to do it this way. Where maybe sometimes in scripture, whether it's you know as you said, Caleb, the first testament or the second testament, maybe it's some time where. You're told or taught something a certain way, and you just don't quite get it, but someone needs to reword it for you, mm. and then it just clicks in your mind. Yeah. So maybe either the vengeful part of God, or even just, you know, you can open it wide up to any part of Scripture where it was told to people a certain way, and people just weren't getting it. So it was kind of rewritten, like when it was actually written down a different way, where people were understanding it, so it wasn't even... The original communication. Yeah, I can see that. I don't. Yeah. I this whole idea that 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 it's a a different. Inter- I'm really tired. It's been a very long day, so the theological piece mm-hmm. is really difficult for me right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we have all those drinks. Boom. Yeah, because that little kidding. tiny app, that little tiny cider that I had was five point so, one ounces. I know. <laughs> Such a lush there. Um, Sloshed. Sloshed, for sure. It's been a very long day. Um, Wow, my brain just went there. Yeah, It went there and it never came back. Never came back. (laughs) Um, Just that whole idea that maybe we weren't seeing it right, and so God had to come down here and embody Jesus. To physically show us. To physically show us what, Hmm. what God actually meant. It's a lot for me to wrap my brain around right now. It's it's very deep and intense. It's very deep and intense. But that to me, and that's really cool. But, yeah. But um, my brain is having a hard time with it right now. But kind of, Kay, what you were saying, like how do you reconcile? Mm-hmm. Like how do you reconcile? Yeah. And those, God of the Old Testament to the Jesus of the New Testament. And that's, that's a, a hard very, thing. That's a valid question. It is a very valid. But valid I think. What I've had to understand, because if you ask Amanda and anyone that knows me and good friends with me or family, if I'm like, if you're talking to me and I'm out in La La Land, it's not that I'm not caring about what you're saying. I'm probably thinking about this deep theological thing, because that's just where my mind goes. I've always been like Just that. like sometimes I, I know that you're not, like, not paying attention, but you're deep in thought about something so I'll ask you like so what do you think oh yeah and then I'll ask you what did I just ask you what are you agreeing to and you get like a smile on your face and I just do that because I know that you're not like tuning me out or not paying attention but your mind is just you know in, in thought about something but like where I feel like where in my heart and I can only speak for myself obviously but where I can reconcile it is I feel that the Old Testament people, the Jews, the Israelites, did not hear from God the understandings that were given to them, passed down through oral tradition, 
passed down through the priests, the holy people, were all misguided. Those priests were... Because Christianity... This might shock people, but Christianity is not the oldest religion in the world. What? And most religions... I also... Shameless... Not shameless plug... But out there... Shameful. Yeah, there you go. A lot of religions borrow things from each other. Mm-hmm. Sure, of course. That's how well, religions happen. Wasn't like the happen. flood and the creation very similar in well, a lot of different... The Epic of Gilgamesh, which was the Babylonians, was yeah. Yeah, actually predates our flood story in the Old Testament by at least 1,500 to 2,000 years. But yet, most a lot of evangelical conservative Christians mm-hmm. think that our flood story... Is the only one. So, but it just shows you that there's more historical proof that some sort of flood did happen in the world when multiple religions before Christianity and even after Christianity will say that in their tradition they have that too. Mm-hmm. So that mean that gives actual more factual and historical proof that it happened anyway. But I can re- reconcile how what I believe in and with my studies. Why I think Jesus came down, why God came down in flesh through Jesus, was because Jesus was like, okay, or God was like, you guys, you humans aren't getting it. You guys are doing all these things in my name, and I am not a God like that. And that's why I think you see this drastic turn from the Old Testament, from the First Testament to the Second Testament, is because the the human beings were not getting it. They just Mm -hmm. weren't getting it. Why do you think Jesus calls us sheep? Sheep are some of the dumbest animals in the world. It's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. (laughs) And he purposely called us that because he was saying, I love you guys, but you're dumb as a sheep. (laughs) Really, you know? You're dumb as sheep. And so I think that's why. So I look at the Old Testament. Exactly. (laughs) Hashtag sheeple. So I think why in the Old Testament I look at it and I'm like... Jillian's rolling her eyes. I always tell people the Old (laughs) Testament is pointing us to Jesus. The the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. And I would look at the New Testament almost going backwards to the message of Jesus. And that it is pointing us to the messages and teachings of Jesus. That's why I tell people I don't base my faith on Old Testament writing. I don't base my my faith on apocalyptic literature like Revelation and other things. I base my my life on understanding Jesus on the words that came out of Jesus' mouth. And so I look at someone like David or Noah or Abraham. I'm not saying that they weren't great men of their of the faith or or of what they did. But they were deeply flawed people, and I firmly believe Jesus came down because he's like, you humans are dumb as sheep, and you don't get what's going on. So I have to come here in flesh to let you on this dose of knowledge that this is the kingdom I'm talking about. Right. Well, I think something that came to my mind, it's kind of going back a little bit how we were saying um, in, in the First Testament of people just just slaughtering these other people groups and saying they were doing it in the name of God and Brian will remember about this but there was something I I can't remember what year it was but 
um, that I posted that was political and Osama bin Laden. Hey, I, I'm sorry. getting to it. I think it was all eleven. Yeah, spoiler oh, alert. Let me get to my story. <laughs> but no, I... I will not end that up. And <laughs> I didn't post it as a supporter of Osama Bin Laden because I definitely was not. But what I posted, it lost... I had, It got heated and I lost like a handful of like Facebook friends because when he was captured and killed, you saw countless posts, and I'm sure it's happened with a lot of other people, of saying... God led us to this victory. God blessed us to to kill him. God God helped us kill and capture, you know, Bin Laden. And I'm thinking, yeah, there is a lot of bad stuff that he did, so I'm not condoning what he did or, you know, any of those actions or anything at all. But kind of going back to the Old Testament of like, so you're using God to to justify to justify violence and I posted that saying like not a supporter at all so no one must read this you know of him or you know any anything else that's happened you know because of him or surrounding him but how can you really say have the authority to say that god blessed you god blessed america you know you know against murder against all this other stuff and i said don't you think god's in heaven weeping because his children are killing each other and, you know, I just kind of left it at that. And then I had people quoting, you know, stuff about the Old Testament. And it's like this, you know, God of vengeance and God bless those people. So he's blessing us. And it just got heavy in here. Yeah. yeah. Just feel the Holy Spirit moving back. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, for me, if there's, uh, you know, if there's, you know, big stuff like that, like with Bin Laden or, you know, with whoever, it's like, yeah, I, I definitely do not have the answers or any clue at all other than if, you know, diplomacy, like talking, you know, with each other and trying to find a compromise and war and killing each other. I don't know any other solution. So, like, when I posted that, I wasn't offering this deep insight of, like, oh, everyone get into my mind because I have the answers for world mm-hmm. peace because I don't know anything about anything. Yeah. You know, when, when, when it comes to it. But it was just like that, that like, devil's advocate yeah. there of being like, okay, like, let's let's step back and and really realize the words that are coming out of people's mm-hmm. mouths of saying... That God bless us because we're a, in air quotes, Christian nation, mm-hmm. or because you yourself are a Christian, and it was against you. You felt it was against Christianity. It was against your people, your your faith, and your religion. So mm-hmm. you're saying that because your God Yahweh, you can say one in that situation. So that means God blessed it. Well, I don't think you should sell yourself short when you said, you you know, who am I to say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I meant on, like, world, like, peace and diplomacy, like, you know. Well, like, on a like, meta like level. Like, all, all yeah. that stuff, I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah, I don't have the answers to that that kind of stuff. So, it's not like I'm like, okay, here's my 10-step program. Well, I know, but peace. you... Buy my book today. Obviously, you classify <laughs> yourself as a Christian, right? Right. So, you can speak... It to other Christians, and I would say most people on your Facebook are Christians, and so you spoke truth to them. You, you don't have to have a deep seminary degree or, or whatever. And I remember when you wrote that, 
you don't write controversial things, mm-hmm. which it's not kind con- That's the funny thing. I had one you- person other than Brian actually say something to me, like, in person about it. And some of these other people who wrote stuff, like, didn't even live nearby. Like, they didn't even live in, like, the same state. But the one person that said something was a co-worker of mine, you know, where I worked at the time. And he was Jewish, so it's not like it was even someone else who was, like, Christian and be like, oh, I see from your point of view. He was just like, he's like, oh, that was just really cool, like, what you wrote on Facebook. And, but, you know, and I feel like, like when I had people, and, like, left it at that. When people say stuff to me, yeah. or, like, Amanda once in a while will say something, and it's like, this shouldn't even be controversial. Like, you're just saying what Jesus said. And that's why I always tell people... But he was looked at as controversial. But Jesus was a radical. And people hate it when I say like he was a radical. But no, he was. Yeah, because he really was. He took, he took the teachings of the time and was like, no, 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 no. Right. You know, you say women can't be in ministry and, you know, whatever, they're going to be in ministry. Yeah. You say only Jews can believe in me? No. I'm going to say Gentiles can believe in me. I'm going to take the lowliest of the low, like a tax collector who's giving to the empire, and a prostitute who tax sells... Tax collectors her. are still the lowliest of yeah. the low in our days, <laughs> Stupid <I> right? IRS <laughs> people. Well, no, and, and it's still a little bit like that if you look at it in our context now. If you take an IRS agent and you take a hooker on the corner, and Jesus comes to them and is like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to take you away from your job. And you're gonna follow me, and you're gonna. I'm gonna build my church upon you. We would look at that in America in the 21st century, and especially in our political landscape, and we'd be like, "What the hell are you smoking?" We wouldn't even believe in that Jesus, but yet we believe in that Jesus, and He did that 2,000 years ago. And that's what I think. Why I get so frustrated with the church. I'm talking about conservative Christianity and liberals because we're both on on fault. We go talk past each other. Some liberal churches don't even want to talk about Jesus because that might offend someone. And then conservatives talk about Jesus so much that they forget that his teachings were quite radical and are quite radical. Yeah. But I think I think I think our our collective frustration in here is people don't want to take the Bible as a serious text that we have to wrestle with. And we also have to make meaning of it. And like Kayleen, you brought this up. We need to understand the the context of when the scripture was written, who wrote it, why they wrote it, for what reason. Every every book in the Bible that was in the canon or not in the canon was written for a specific reason. It wasn't somebody who was just like, you know, I think this is going to make an awesome story in this scripture that's going to maybe happen. I'm going to write it down. No, they were like, this is super important. This is what happened. I'm going to write it down. And all these men years, centuries later, were like, let's put this in yeah. this scripture, this canon. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a swing here. This might be a miss, but I'm going to swing. Lob it up. Lob it up. <laughs> Babe Ruth calling the shot, baby. I'm going to lay in this one. Um, I'm going to see if we can't come to... A consensus, because I know we all come from different places. Obviously, we're all uh, similar enough to be in the same room, meeting on a regular basis, and we can tolerate each other. I yeah, think it's safe to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. right? I but, tolerate you, Caleb. Oh, that's so sweet. You're just like Jesus. I tolerate you. <laughs> I tolerate. I tolerate. In the name of Jesus, you're I tolerate. You're tolerable. In the name of Jesus. Okay, so let's. I don't know. We all, uh, 
I feel like we all have different uh, maybe definitions, understandings, and relationships with a capital R with God. What? Excuse me. Sorry. What was that moving through Kate? That was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that was just me taking a breath before I got. Oh. Usually people say it, that. I would say it's the Spirit. That's, that's it. That was all I was leading up to. I was hoping that would happen. That's, it. that's all I had to say. But no, let's say, okay, can we agree? And I'm going to borrow some terms from Peter Rollins and John Caputo here. My dudes. As far as progressive uh, Christian and radical theology go, they're my dudes too. They're my dudes too. My dudes. But uh, let's say that God. Can we say that God is love? Can we agree that? Yes. Can we we agree that God is is justice? Mm -hmm. Can we agree that God is peace? Mm -hmm. Can we can we agree that God is acceptance? Mm And so, and so, given everyone nodded their heads, thank you. So, given that, and I, I know that was a softball, but given that, like, that does not to me look like the God of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Justice, peace, love, full inclusive acceptance. That does not look like the Old Testament understanding of God. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that there is a God for the conversation. And I'll, I'll say that that does not look to me like that guy, like that thing. And so, in the New Testament, I think it's, it's a lot closer. You know, it's a lot. It's a it's a whole lot closer. There's a lot more love and acceptance and peace and inclusion. But then, I think that there's still some gaps there. And I just wonder, like going from there, and this is kind of coming back to like like Amanda, like you were talking about with. Ava and like the next generation, like how they're we're gonna look old school to them. Mm-hmm. Which they're they, gonna look at us and be like, "What idiots? Why idiots? did they do this?" Because they might have a solution for yeah. an issue our society is right. dealing with now. Right. So, like from our impaired conceptualization of God, to the best of our vocabulary, well, what would we say that God really is, or that God really looks? Does God like? Because I know that we we have probably in this room different ideas about hell and judgment and damnation and and consequences. And so, what does what does our best understanding of God logically and you can maybe parenthetically scripturally, what does that God look like? Uh, to me, that God looks like like a parent. Who is just like, man, you hurt me. Like, you wrecked my car. You wasted all my money. You know, you you hurt your siblings. I gave you all I had. You really, really fucked this up. But, man, like, come, please just come back home and be with me. Because, like, I love you. Mm-hmm. And so I just ask, like, to you, that to me, that's my answer. And so I just wonder to you guys what, what your answer is. Like, what is that, what is that God... Look like, or, or, or what do you want that God to look like? Even like, even if you don't see it around you. I'll take yeah. a you have a, something to say. I know that was a hard one. <laughs> I'll take a stab. I love talking. It's because it's all my years of theology trickling out on this podcast. 
I look at God. I look at my conception of God, or let alone Jesus, because I mean, when I talk about God, Jesus, Trinity, uh, a Trinitarian believer, even though I'm a Christian agnostic, um, but I do believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all one, but three distinctive understandings of said God. But now, as a parent, I understand the language in Scripture when Jesus refers to himself as a father. And he does, certain parts in the Bible, refer to himself as a mother. Not as much, but as a parent, there's sometimes you have to discipline your child mm. because they're not getting it. But it's never a discipline that is long-term. That's why I don't. That's why I reject the concept of hell. Because as soon as I became a parent, all these... You can ask Amanda, before Ava was born, I was in a hot mess. Like, a spiritual depression, just depression because your life is changing. Not something that stayed because that is... You think marriage, you think school or a job changes you emotionally and spiritually. No, having a kid does. But I, I look at Ava and there's times where... I give her a little nudge on the butt just to say, hey, don't do this. Or when you constantly tell her, don't pick up my books, don't don't go to the stove because we have something in the oven and it's hot and it could hurt you. In her brain, she's like, my parents are mean because they're telling me <laughs> right. no yeah. and I want to do this. Or it looks but she like doesn't know. Her. She doesn't know in her little brain <laughs> that we're doing this not because we hate her, because we love her. And we don't want her to get burnt. We don't want her to fall and hurt. We don't, you know, whatever. And so I do think, I don't believe that Jesus is up there saying, I'm going to let this person die of cancer or this person to lose his or her job or this person to go through this trial. No. I do think, this might sound controversial, but I do think God allows the shit that happens in this world, not because he can't stop it, but that's just what humans are. We're capable of love and we're capable of hate. We're capable of doing great things and being righteous people and we're capable of being evil people. And that that God is there, but like what you said, I'm here and I love you, just come to me. Like when you're ready. That's why I, I feel out of all the religions I've studied in the world, why Christianity always makes the most sense to me is because Jesus is like, I'm here for you. When you're ready, believe in me the best way you can, and I'm going to love you no matter what. And I think that's a perfect example, and I know we've all had our different ideas of parents, and that's a whole different thing. But why I think Jesus did talk in a parent form, it's because most, most parents, when they discipline you, it's out of love. When they tell you not to do something, they're not doing it because they're assholes, they're doing it. Because it's out of genuine concern for your well-being. I mean, I know I can speak to a man and I when we parent our children. We might have different nuances of how we parent, but we're both there wanting to raise our child the best possible way that we can to get her out of the most danger. And I think my view of Jesus and how Christianity has changed since my daughter's come is it's helped me reject certain things, I think, of the way I was raised, but it's also helped me understand being a better parent because 
saying like, oh, this is how Jesus loves me is like a good is what a good parent loves their kid. Mm-hmm. And like I remember my mom said, I'm always gonna love you every day until the day I die. From the moment you were born to the moment you die or until she dies because hopefully I die way after her but she's like I'm you know if you murder someone and you have to go to prison you you did the crime you do the time but it doesn't mean I'm not going to love you and it's the same thing I feel with Jesus you can go as far away from God Jesus whatever and God's not there being like okay you're done you're screwed you're going to hell and that's what a lot of churches say right but Jesus is out there saying, no, I've never said that. I have never said that. I'm still going to be here for you, waiting, with my arms open. And that's why I can't believe in a non-inclusionary God, because that goes right in the face of all the teachings of Jesus, from Jesus' own mouth. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, hmm. I'm, oh, on yeah, that's good, I'm on a roll. Yeah. That's good. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Rolling, rolling. Kaylee? My brain hurts too much to okay. add to that. That's fine. So, <laughs> as much as I would like to. Amanda, do you have any? Yeah, my first thought that popped my mind a couple words is God is either what you think God is or what you'd want God to be is love and peace. But I think better words is God is belonging and God is unity. Mm. Because you look at the beginning of scripture and God had that belonging and unity, you know, with with all the angels in heaven, but he wanted something more and when people say created in the image of God, I don't personally believe that that means a physical image. Mm-hmm. Like God has a head, two eyes, two hands, two feet, you know, and so on. I don't look like God. <laughs> what? You got his nose. It's right. Nose. Like I don't necessarily nose. Okay. I don't necessarily believe it's physical because you know that's a whole other topic. Does God have a physical body? What does God look like? You know, that's my brain hurts thinking about that. So as it should. Yes. So I think it's more of different different characteristics because I, I feel when you say creation, you know, humans are so narrow-minded and conceited that when we say God's creation in the image of God, you only, most people only think about humans. But there's so much more that God created on this earth, outside of this earth, you know, in the depths and the sea, you know, whatever that that God created. So there's countless, you know, of God's creation. And I feel like when it says creating the image of God, that that's, that's like all of creation. So, you know, you can look at the mountains, you can look at the seas, you can look at the planets and the stars, you can look at a blade of grass, and just different things, how things work. But so with all that, when, whether people believe in, you know, the literal creation, how it is in the Bible, or something similar, or, you know, evolution, you know, we came from monkeys, something part, a mix of whatever in between. You see how all things in life work together. You look at, like, the food chain, you look at the life cycle. I explained to our daughter, we have a big tree that's outside of our window. So I explained to her, and when we're going for walks, why there are leaves on the ground, or why there are different colors, which 
she she may understand more, you know, than I would give her credit for, but she's not fully understanding, but just, you know, explaining, you know, to her that, you know, this is what happens, you know, with plants and everything, you know, throughout the seasons that every everything in life, you know, works together in some way in the cycle. So so that and having God come down in the form of a human as Christ. I feel like God initially coming down to earth as God the Father and then God coming down as Christ. And yes, the Holy Spirit came down, you know, in in the form of a dove. I forget what book. Mark? Yeah, in, in one of the Gospels. Like, so, I mean, you have these different points where different parts of God, whether you want to say the Trinity or if you believe the Trinity is, like, different, like, personalities, you know, of God, um, that, you know, they came down as a way of belonging and unity and to be to be with their creation. And so I feel like that's really what God is, is God is belonging and God is unity. Unity does not always mean peace. It does not always mean that you see eye to eye and you have a resolution on something. It can be you have completely different views on something, but the views that are the same and the thing that you want to work towards as a common goal, that you have unity in that even if your paths to get there are separate. Mm. So that doesn't mean everyone sit around the campfire singing Kumbaya and everything is happy lovey-dovey like i don't that's not what unity necessarily means to me you sound like a parent well what do you expect um i was just talking to caleb i think this is probably a good time to wrap Mm -hmm. i I think all of our heads are about to explode if we go any farther well partly because of the weather because two out of the four have to drive home hopefully it doesn't take two hours to get back and again with the parrot mode we expect a call or a text from both of you as my mom would say as my mom would say and her mom would say to her not when you're almost home not when you're a block away when you are in your driveway or your parking lot when you have parked the car and you're safely on the property of your home (laughs) Minnesota is a dangerous because they say most accidents happen within so many you know blocks or miles like home I'm almost there it's like those football players when they drop the ball like on the one yard line because they think they're in the end zone. Yeah, and right. They're like, what? Oh, what? <laughs> they start doing a dance. And yeah. Like fucking. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we can um, pick this up in two weeks. Yeah. Um, we have Thanksgiving coming up. We have a yeah. few. I think we have a, like a good list of topics too. We got some good stuff coming. Um, as a teaser for something yet to come, Brian, we're gonna have our first. Full fledged conservative guest. Yes. Um, Finally. Like, it did take us long enough, honestly. We've gotten a lot of, I would say, this corrective criticism from conservatives. Which is good because we're, yes, we're we coming up finding our bearings. Yes, we, don't wanna, we need that. We need that. We don't want to be an echo chamber. Bastions or like being stuck in a vacuum. And I know some people might get like that where they're like, oh, I want to listen to this because you guys are progressive. But. I think all of us here, if we are moderate or, or liberal, I would say most of us are moderate to liberal, but my brother and I love him, so shout out Justin um, if you listen to this. 
But I actually had <laughs> no, no. He's listened to several. Is he? Yeah, really? he's listened. Oh, to my Justin, sorry. Um, <laughs> he doesn't listen to all, but you know he supports me. But I, Caleb and I, the other day talked, and we both agreed, and I've talked with even Amanda that we need to have more conservative voices because what's yeah. the point of talking about love, acceptance, inclusionary? And the whole point of our podcast, how we came up with the name Sacred Collective, everyone has a sacred voice and we're a collective of people. Mm. It's not just liberals that have a sacred voice, and I think that's what we're doing. So I reached out to my brother, and he's going to come on the podcast. I booked it out for January, so he's and he's open, so he's just going to come one day, join us for dinner, and I'm going to kind of come up with a prompt of questions. And I just told him, say whatever on your heart and on your gut. No one's going to tell you um, that you're wrong, but you're definitely going to get pushback. And so definitely we'll respect your views, but respect other people's views as well. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be offensive, though. We're not going right. to be on the offense. We're not going to be on the attack. Like, I think a, a part of, for me, a distinction between, and maybe this is how I define these words. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian. No, you're good. But for me, a distinction between being liberal and being progressive is, for me, being progressive is more so like uh, more postmodern, more like if you have a good point that conflicts with what I thought earlier, I'm going to listen to it. If you have a good argument, I'm not just going to shut it down immediately. I'm going to try to progress through my own understanding of things and... And let in anything that you say that is that makes sense to me, and so I, yeah, I hope that we have a good a good talk with him. And mm-hmm. also coming up in December, which I'm liking that we're talking about the Old Testament. We should talk about it. we're kind of in this Old Testament uh, mode. I reached out to a professor friend of mine um, who actually got me in, not got me into Bethel, but told me about Bethel. He's the only professor that I've had. From my undergrad, my master's, and my doctoral work. He's your Mr. Feeney. He's my Mr. Feeney. Oh, Shout out to Hashtag's World. <laughs> we have two hashtags, Sheeple Hashtag and World. Brian Meets World. Brian <laughs> World. Ah, oh, Topanga. Oh, um, she was my first like Hollywood crush. She just got married. Uh, I was on the damn news. it, I missed the I window. Loved, I just that. always wanted to We have to have some pop culture references. No, but I'm going to say his name. Topanga! Um, What's your name, Danielle? Daniel Fischel. Yeah. We're Call going, me. We're Come going, on the show. Hey, guys. I'm making an announcement. <laughs> Bring it in. I'm in. I'm more important than you. Please listen. So, since we're talking about Old Testament... <laughs> sorry, my toe. I have... <laughs> it's touching my feet. Um, since we're talking about Old Testament stuff... Um, for this week and then maybe into December and I can push back these interviews are fine since they're local and they're actually going to join us so we're not to Skype they're going to join us um his name is Dr. Tim Setapetaratna and he has written extensively on Epic of Gilgamesh I shouldn't say extensively but he's written on that and he's also um knows a lot about wisdom literature, which is, you know, a, what would you call a genre mm-hmm. of scripture. And he's actually the professor that I actually wrote an article that, fingers crossed, is going to get published next year by Luther Seminary. 
uh, good Lutheran seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to join us in December to maybe make sense of some things in the Old Testament that we brought up. So I'm excited for that. So those are two interviews that we're working on. So And we've kind of talked as a collective here at Sacred Collective that we're going to have, we're going to try to sprinkle some interviews in, not saying that our conversations aren't fun, but I always like when you listen to a podcast when they have conversations, but then they also get other people. And I think, Caleb, you said, you know, some people, some more maybe popular people that mm-hmm. other people might know that would want to be on. Mm-hmm. We might, I hope, I hope I'm not teasing something that won't happen, but uh, drunk ex-pastors have shown some interest in, in coming on. Jason Stellman and uh, Christian Kingery. So. so shout out to Christian and Jason. Jason, um, I listen to Drunk Ice Pastors and they're very hilarious dudes. I don't like what they say. Very smart. I might, I might not agree with everything that they say, which I don't have to, but I it, appreciate their insight. So shout out if you be on our podcast. Please come here. Um, so we're gonna do one last thing before we leave because we know we like to have a script. And we haven't done this in a while, but let's do recommendations. I have a recommendation. It might seem weird, and it might seem too much information, but I don't care. So, I have ulcerative colitis, which is uh, autoimmune disease of the colon, and so Monday... I get to have a da 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 a colonoscopy. Oh wow! Yay. My second, technically third. The first was just a more minor version. So technically, my third colonoscopy. Wow! And so the prep work is not going to be fun, but it's it, shitty. Exactly, but <laughs> literally pain in my butt. Let me tell you what. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, we Should need to have a little sound effect. A little, little drum shot. You need a sound effect. <laughs> exactly. Oh gosh. Um, I could have actually put that in, but... You, <laughs> you should do it, though. Less editing, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I feel like it's something that's, you know, kind of, like, scary or weird for people where... I just looked it up, and I think it said, like, by the age of 50, everyone should have yeah. a colonoscopy mm-hmm. or... If you have, like, colon cancer, an immediate family member, you know, polyps, any other, like, colon issue, either by 40 or if you have certain issues yourself, like, don't be afraid to go in. Like, yeah, the prep work is not fun fun at all. It's it's one day. You just get out. Find something on Netflix or Hulu or whatever to binge, and that helps get you through it. But the procedure itself is painless. It goes by very fast. I've had it, it, too. It goes, yeah, like 20 to 40 minutes, and I felt like it was like five minutes, and, you know, recovery You're is fine. You're so. on drugs. You're on drugs. So, so, yeah, it can be something that's scary, but, you know, when it when it comes to your health, people, don't be scared. You know, just, just get your colon checked out. That's my PSA. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being transparent about your colon. You're welcome. Can you give me your recommendations? I don't have anything. I'm sorry. You're so sleepy. My drive brain. safe. That's your recommendation. Kaylee's a sleepy drive girl. drive safe. Oh, wow. I didn't even have any alcohol in him. You did too. You had that five I had that ounce. little five ounce thing. Then don't lie. <laughs> no, I know. Um, 
But there so, comes a point when I get so tired that my brain stops working. You've been I nodding be, off. This. I know I have been, and Brian's been poking me. But so you have to edit all of your snores. If you don't hear any snores in this episode, it's because I edited all of Kayleen's snores. Take me. I was not snoring. Take me. What are we Take talking me. about? Okay, Take me, Brian. My recommendations are. One show that Amanda and I binge and is really phenomenal was called The Haunting of Hill House. Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, I know a lot about that. It's actually really so good. good. It's super scary though. No, it's really there's there's one scene that's absolutely petrifying and it didn't give me nightmares. It's more suspenseful, if it, if but it gave you nightmares than they would totally but, give me nightmares. Like, to but it's more. You. I feel I'll like it wouldn't be this. your cup of tea. Yeah, it's, I know it won't. It's Thank more for me, uh, honestly, uh, a show that. about family dysfunction <laughs> and fam. Well, it's hmm. family dysfunction and the and real horror life. of family dysfunction. Yeah, really, and not is, the horror. It's, of it's a psychological haunting. horror. It takes place. It takes place. You keep. It's it's a non-narrative. Uh, or non-linear. Or non-linear story, so mm. it keeps going back. Like one or two scenes like will this be is like us. In, in present time, but more and then it'll go back. And it was this house that they lived in called Hill House, where it was this. They manager. were flipping it. They were flipping it. it and renovating. Um, so it's really a slow burn, but it's a fascinating show. And like I remember at the end of looking at Amanda and saying that wasn't really a horror show or like a horror or creepy thing. It was about family dysfunction set in a haunted house. So I really recommend it. It's mm-hmm. it's getting rave reviews on, on Netflix. Netflix. Like just phenomenal reviews. The other thing I'm going to recommend because I like to re- recommend podcasts while being doing our own podcast. So get your phones out and look up this podcast called Pretend Radio. Um, I stumbled upon it. How I listen to most of my podcasts, I'll be listening to a podcast and then they'll say recommend. That's the greatest thing about podcasting is networking, networking, networking. And this guy, his name is Javier Leva, and his... First, he start his whole thing. I'll have your labor. His first. Uh, I tried. <laughs> I'll tell you something <laughs> off my. I'll tell you the story why Kayleen hit me. Um, but his whole premise is he likes to tell stories of pretend people, meaning people who are real but they pretend to be someone that they're not. And season two is good, but season one. Started out at him getting uh, getting wind of a story of this kind of name it claim it prosperity pastor um, out in North Carolina started this church and it was like it's called Word of Faith Fellowship and everyone in the town thinks they're a cult they do these things like blast like you think like weird Pentecostals are intense it's 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 like this. Season two, he kind of does something different, but all of season three is him infiltrating this church, this so-called cult, and getting deeper into, like, how... I mean, there's people who've been arrested for money laundering in the church, people who've been arrested for kidnapping children from people, from former members who left, and it's just riveting. So if you like... 
uh, just shows like that, like trying to like true crime or. I like it. I got one of my coworkers at my job into it, and she's like, "How do you find all these podcasts?" And I'm like, "I work at a job where for eight hours I can listen to podcasts." Do you do more of a search, and when you do a search, look for like related ones, or do you more listen to like recommendations that podcasts has? So, like, do you find recommendations, or do you kind of just find them yourself? Some, sometimes I would say half and half. I would say a lot of the podcasts I I would listen to one and. They're like, oh, listen to this podcast, or you know, they like a paid sponsorship or something. And so that one, this pretend radio, was on uh, this uh, kind of smaller podcast that I was listening to. And they're like, if you like this kind of stuff, check out Javier's podcast at yeah, Pretend Radio. So I checked it out, and there it was. So I just yeah. added that. Mm, it looks good. I have. Uh Going off Brian, I have two podcast recommendations. One of which is this is like literally like the most popular podcast behind like serial from I just started from NPR. <laughs> Did you? Season yeah. Three. That's like the that's like the original popular podcast. But uh, anyway, I'm not recommending it. Do you never please never listen to it. I'm not recommending it. I'm disrecommending it. Serial? No, not really. I'm just okay. making a stupid joke. Uh, I recommend um Another very popular podcast, WTF, with Mark Marin. Yes. He has, but, but a specifically episode. I looked this up on my phone. Episode two forty five with Todd Glass, who has always been one of my favorite comics. And then about I don't know what five or six years ago, he came out, and um, for him it was a really difficult thing. His family was very progressive. His friend group was very progressive, but it was still so hard. It was still such a hard thing for him just because of this backwards culture that we live in. Mm. And I really respect that. And I really, like, I, I was always a huge fan of his. And then when he came out, it was like, it was confusing as to why he didn't do it sooner. But then listen to this episode and understand how bass backwards our culture is. And, um, yeah, so I, 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 uh, I endorse that and I recommend that. Also, I'll do, in, in Brian and Amanda's terms, a shameless plug. We were talking earlier about, uh, about parenthood and how that affects your views on God and hell and punishment and judgment. Um, I, my, the first podcast I ever, I ever started doing, Air of Grievances, episode 23, I, I interviewed my dad. And live on the air, he fully changed his views on hell, on the nature of hell. We have a conversation, fully unscripted, fully candid, in which he, we talk through things. I'm not set out to convince him of one thing or the other, but through a logical, um, honest conversation, he comes to a point where he fully changes his views on on hell. And um, just... Based on tonight's, I wouldn't recommend it otherwise. But based on tonight's conversation and some of the things we touched on, I would recommend uh, listening to that as as a little a little tag on. It's um, very good. I've listened to it, so I concur. Thanks, man. Are we are we are we done? I think we're done. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Let's go drive in the snow now. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go inside, and I'll drive in the snow in the morning. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. A post-Christian production.